in a we are wrestling Welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, 
Patrick Young. And Patrick, the wrestling world is full of news, and you are the newsman of this program. So what do you have for us? Brian Lawler. Yes, we talked about him last week. Could have possibly been murdered. Maybe. Jerry Lawler seems to be uh, pretty much convinced of that if you listen to Dinner with the King, which was made available for free uh, to all the listeners. Usually it's a paid uh, podcast, one of the few paid podcasts. But he actually sat down last week and did about a 35-minute show and uh, basically recounted the entire event as he recalled it uh, from the time he got the phone call to the saying goodbye and picking out a funeral home for Brian. But uh, the biggest news to come of that is that the speculation that he seems to believe that there is more to the story that Brian did not uh, hang himself, that Brian did not commit suicide. And and a picture has come out of Brian's neck and uh, the autopsies, they're thinking that it's, uh, it's not... A normal break like it would be if someone hung themselves. So there is some suspicion there. The cameras, over 20 something cameras, I think, were not working. Yeah, apparently. Any, any and all around his, his jail cell, correct? So WMC out of Memphis, who had been covering the story, they streamed Brian's funeral on, on, online, which we've shared on our page. Which uh, has been shared off of our page. Over 30 or 40 something times, which so. And so, anyway, they followed up with Jerry following the Dinner with the King podcast, and that is when Jerry uh, brought them the picture of Brian's injuries while he was in the hospital. Uh, Brian didn't pass away, by the way, immediately from the hanging, so he was actually uh, on life support for a while. So, this isn't a picture of, uh, of a dead man's neck. This is when Brian was on life support, so it's nothing graphic. And, uh, yeah, he questions a lot of things that happened at the jail. He was apparently moved to a segregated cell after a a fight with another inmate. And then, yes, the cameras mysteriously were not working. Anywhere around his cell, so you couldn't even see anybody coming and going in that block, from what I have... From what I took away from the, the... Article. And then Jerry says the sheriff told his fiance, Jerry's fiance, that Brian used his shoestrings to hang himself. I'll include a link maybe to the news story on our Facebook page. But the photos show marks on both sides of Brian's neck, but not on the front. Now to a WMC Action News 5 exclusive tonight. Jerry Lawler is sharing new information about the death of his son, who was found hanging in a jail cell. WMC Action News 5's Janice Broach joins us with The Thing. A hospital photo reveals about this case, and we want to warn you, the image may be disturbing. Janice? Well, Jerry Lawler didn't think he had to worry about his son, Brian, in the Hardeman County Jail. Lawler says the sheriff even gave him assurances that he would personally make sure Brian was okay. But that didn't happen. Jerry Lawler and his attorney laid out for me a disturbing trail of puzzling occurrences heading up to the death of Brian Lawler. This has been a nightmare, as you can imagine, from the moment I got the call uh, saying that Brian had, had hung himself. What makes it even worse, Jerry Lawler does not believe his son Brian actually hung himself in the Hardeman County Jail on July 29th. Brian being my son, I knew him, everybody that around him uh, knew him, and they all have expressed doubts that they just don't think that Brian was the kind of guy 
who would do that. And Lawler, who spoke with me along with his lawyer, Ted Hansom, says that includes inmates with his son at the Hardeman County Jail. We've received literally countless calls, text messages from people, I mean actual eyewitnesses that were in the, that were in the jail with Brian and saw things that happened on the actual day uh, that Brian died uh, that that just that now has has opened up a whole new can of worms. It just doesn't seem like it was a suicide. Brian Lawler was in the Hardeman County Jail after an early July arrest for a DUI. Sheriff John Doolin said Lawler, a well-known former WWE star, known at one point as Grandmaster Sexay, was placed in a cell by himself because of his notoriety. But Jerry Lawler told me his son was with other inmates at the jail. Lawler and family members kept in close contact with Brian Lawler, speaking to him every day. It appears Brian Lawler was moved to a segregated cell after a fight. I talked to Brian Saturday morning at 11 o'clock the day that, uh, that he died. He talked perfectly normal, perfectly rational. A couple of hours later, Jerry Lawler's fiance Lauren got a call from the jail. Lauren got a call. Uh, about two o'clock in the afternoon that said Brian had been in a, uh, a fight in jail. Lawler said the fight was described as no big deal. An inmate was actually playing cards with Brian when the altercation happened where Brian got hit. Lawler said witnesses described Brian as bleeding from his head, asking for medical help that he apparently didn't get at the jail. Then four or five hours later the call came in that Brian had hung himself. It just doesn't pass the smell test. And here's another reason. Jerry Lawler believes that photos of Brian Lawler taken in the hospital before he died show a different story. Lawler says the sheriff told his fiance that Brian used his shoestrings to hang himself. The photos show marks on either side of Brian's neck, but not in the front of his neck. Just look at his neck um, and looked at his hand, like, like Ted said. The line, you can perfectly see the lines going from the back of his neck all the way around here and to here. And then what would be the length of your hand right here uh, is if he was trying to keep that pressure off. I think the pictures indicate something other than someone hanging himself with a shoelace. The TBI investigation into Lawler's death is not complete, so Jerry Lawler does not have access to the case file at this point. And Jerry Lawler says 20 of the cameras inside the jail were reportedly not working. Brian Lawler's death certificate indicates he died from suicide by hanging. Jerry and the family want to know the truth about what happened to Brian. Jerry Lawler says he won't quit. Not until we find out exactly what really happened. And I contacted the TBI and was told the case of Brian Lawler's death is active and ongoing. I called Hardeman County Sheriff John Doolin, who did not return my call. Joe and Kanji? Which does seem odd for a hanging. Uh, you know, if you... I'm not familiar with, you know, photos of... Yeah, I'm not a forensic expert. Right, yeah. Me and you are not CSI crime scene but, investigators. But it is weird, and it is unique, and it's, uh, it's right there at his... At his um, it's only car on the carotid arteries on the sides of his neck, but it's nothing in, in front around his throat. So it's almost like he wasn't necessarily choked out as much as he was, you know, the, the, circul the blood circulation to his brain was cut. And there was no way for him to 
effectively become brain dead. Right. And so the, and the, the bruising to me from the picture doesn't though look like like a hand. You know, it doesn't look right. like finger sized marks. So it's very strange. Like, but they're 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 too wide to be shoestrings as well. Yeah, it's 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 odd. It's it's a very odd thing. So there is there is some claim that I, I feel that King has made and that the police are agreeing with and investigating well, more into it. The TBI is going to continue investigating this, but maybe there's more to this story than than what we first thought. And and yeah. if and if there isn't, then it's it's sad either way because nothing brings Brian Lawler back. But it certainly is strange that uh, for someone who is not considered to be suicidal, you know, not on suicide watch, but Jerry talks about it in the podcast. The sheriff said, you know what, being in jail is going to be good for Brian. I'm going to take good care of him here. He's going to get sobered up. He's going to get clean in here. This is going to be good for him. And then he hangs himself. It ended up being the worst thing in the world for him. Yeah, so... I, I never would have thought Brian was that type of person either. And I think, and Jerry goes on to say, you know, even getting a message from The Rock that The Rock never thought Brian was that type of person all through their years of, of knowing, being friends. And just, I, it's a very... To be counterpoint, though, I mean, we don't live inside people's heads. So no. you, you never know. Like, I mean, there was, Robin Williams' wife didn't think he was suicidal until... You know, it was too late. You know, right. Chris Cornell's wife, you know, people don't give off. It's one thing that I think is, they always give out that suicide hotline number or whatever, but somebody who's going to do it is probably not going to tip you off in any way. No. Because they've probably already made up their minds. They've given this a lot of thought. And there, it's it's going to seem like a shock, probably. You know, because people, when you... If you're picking up signals from them, you've probably gotten them help, or you've you're keeping an eye on them. Yeah. And like like I mentioned last week, you know, people in jail who are considered to be suicidal are usually put on suicide watch and put in vests where they can't harm themselves. And that was not the case this time. So who knows? But to be continued. A very good listen though, uh, Dinner with the King, very emotional, obviously. Um, yeah, I've, I've had, uh, especially towards the end when Jerry talks about, cause they had a very, you know, they had a very fragmented relationship. It wasn't like, I mean, any kind of wrestling family relationship is going to be difficult because of the nature of the business. But towards the end, when Jerry talked about, you know, not telling Brian, he loved him enough and started tearing up. That was, that tugs at your heartstrings. It's hard. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, it's a great listen. Um, I think it's, uh, it's something that all and everyone should listen to. Um, I, I, uh, like you said, unfortunately nothing can bring Brian back. And so all we can do is, is move forward and try to get justice if justice needs to be served. And, uh. Try to remember the good time. On to a little bit better things. Randy Orton. <laughs> well, <laughs> Randy Orton. I've never had uh, a very soft spot in my heart for Randy Orton. I think Randy Orton is a jerk. I've always kind of thought that. It was amazing that he was introduced as a babyface, and he got injured 
Luckily, he got injured because if he they kept him as a babyface to start out with, he might actually that might have been the best thing for me because he probably would have gotten cut. <laughs> he was like John Cena, bland babyface, nothing to offer. And then he got injured. He got a shoulder injury and did those RNN news updates, and then came back as this heel and the legend killer thing. Mick Foley, another, another guy. Mick Foley, you know, put over. Yeah, another guy that can bow at the, you know, kiss the feet of Mick Foley. I mean, he let Mick Foley let Randy spit in his face in yeah. the ring. You know, un- yeah, it was uh, disgusting. And uh, he has had conduct problems in the past. He's had conduct problems prior to being in the company. When he went AWOL from the Marines. They wanted him to be in the Marine 2, which ended up going to uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. When the actual Marines said, um, we don't want an AWOL Marine person who was, you know, uh, discharged unfavorably uh, to represent us in a movie. So he had already, you know, pissed off the Marines. And if you're some, you know, patriot, you know, some super USA fan. Uh, Mike Del Wills. <laughs> if you are the patriot... That's pretty bad, but he's, so then he comes to the company and he had lots of attitude issues. He's got two strikes against him on the wellness policy, rumored to have shit in a diva's bag with frozen turds, uh, you know, uh, among other hazing incidents. One of those locker room bullies, uh, not maybe the violent type of locker room bully like a uh, Benoit or a hardcore Holly, someone that's actually going to beat you up. But still a bully, just a prick, you know, just yeah. a just an asshole. Run his mouth just to piss you off. Yeah, and so this week... An Enzo Amore. Yes, exactly. Well, if Enzo Amore was, you know, over six feet tall and had the body of Randy Orton, then, you know, would be more taken seriously when he's running his mouth backstage. Than, but the company loves this guy. I mean, Ken Anderson lost his job because Randy Orton said... He's too unsafe to work with. I'm not working with him anymore. It's me or him. And got King Kennedy fired, which I'm not a huge King Kennedy fan either, but that happened. Uh, this week, This week, the founder of Major League Wrestling, Court Bauer, who was on the WWE writing staff, seemed to have brought up a story about how Orton would intimidate WWE writers with locker room kind of bullshit, with uh, hazing stuff. And so he would go to shake your hand, Apparently, this is all allegedly, 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 by the way. Uh, so instead of going to shake your hand, he would whip out his dick. He would whip out his junk. That's how little he thought of you. He wanted to put you in your place. Yeah, but this happened. Court Bauer was on the writing staff a long time ago, so I don't think anything's going to come of this. Randy Orton's been on pretty good behavior as of late, uh... You know, he's grown up a lot since then as far as maturity-wise because now he has a wife and a child, and uh, hopefully he's mellowed out some. And so I don't think there's anything that's going to come of this. Though if it does, that's that's all on you. You know, if anything comes of this, Randy, I mean, that's on you because... It's getting to the point now that you can't hide stuff anymore. If you did something... People are asking for, you know, if you did it and got away with it in the past, people are now saying, like, hey, you need to pay for what you did. They're speaking out now. They're, they're, people are going to, yeah. There's a movement going around with everybody, from the actors to, you know, entertainers and so on and so forth, that that now it's gotten to the point that it's, you know, if you did something that was inappropriate or wrong, you, you need to answer for it, no matter if it was back 
you know, Hogan, perfect example, unfortunately. Uh, no matter if it was back in the, uh, you know, t 10 years ago or whether it was recent, you still need to, you, you got to pay for it. And um, so it could be that, you know, WWE is forced to uh, to hold Orton accountable. Even if they do something, I would only suspect it would be a suspension. They're not going to cut Randy Orton. Oh, they've God, got. No. They've got way too much invested in him, and he cut a great promo on SmackDown a few weeks ago that mentions that he is pretty much the longest... He wrestles on a week-to-week -week basis, like, longest, you know, without breaks. You know, even Cena's taken long breaks. Um, Undertaker wrestles once or twice a year, Triple H, once or twice a year. But one thing's been consistent since his, you know, arrival is Randy Orton. Outside of a few injuries here and there... This guy's been pretty much your week-in, week-out guy. So yeah. they might hit him with a slap on the wrist, but or maybe a slap on his dick if that's what he wants. <laughs> um, but I don't think anything will uh, be coming of that. There is rumors that Chris Jericho could be going to Impact Wrestling. Now that they tape in Canada, it would be convenient for him to go and work for them. But as far as signing a long-term deal, I think he's very happy. Uh, with what he's doing now, he's got the cruise. The cruise is right around the corner, Patrick. The uh, the we Jericho might, Bruise just, cruise we might just be there. He might get to to meet us. Uh, but he's you know he's content working these dates with New Japan, and he can still pop into WWE when he wants to, and he can tours with his band when he wants to. He's got things pretty much the way he wants to. So even if he does show up on Impact, which I still seriously doubt, because he had an opportunity, a huge opportunity. Uh, in the early 2000s, to go to Impact and did Work not. Work Jarrett, yeah. Yeah, or go to TNA at the time and, and did not. So, uh, was even teasing it on his website, basically, saying, you know, what should I do, guys? Tell me, where do I go? And chose not to. So, I just don't, I just don't see it happening. But if he does, it would be for, you know, a one-time match, and then he might pop in and pop out. But Yeah. What about this? Two friends locked in a bitter feud. I'm talking about Colt Cabana and none other than CM Punk. Well, see, I thought you were going to talk about, like, the Mega Powers explode, because that's, you know, the only two friends I'm known to ever, you know, get into a fight and have to settle it. That's true. Well, I guess Shawn Michaels and Triple H had a bit of a bit of a beef that lasted a little while. Shawn and Diesel. Yeah. You know what? In fact, I think most friends in wrestling end up turning on each other. It's really crazy. <laughs> And now here you have two friends uh, that aren't really that active with wrestling anymore. Uh, Colt Cabana more of a uh, a Mike guy than an in-ring guy. He still occasionally gets in there, but they had their legal battle with the doctor from the WWE. They were successful in that they weren't found liable for slander or whatever they were accused of against this doctor on the podcast from 2014. By the way, this thing is still dragging on. This thing will never end. This saga will never end. So, uh, the main dispute now between uh, Colt Cabana and CM Punk is that Colt was promised by CM Punk that CM Punk would cover his legal fees. I'm sure that was said when Punk was still working for WWE. Well, and, even... And making that kind of money. Because, let's be honest, he's not making that kind of money now. From everything I've heard about CM Punk, even when he worked for the company, he was a guy that saved up a lot of money. And he got paid, his last contract with the company was for a good sum of money. 
His UFC fights, his first one, he's only had two. But his first one, he made like half a million dollars off of that alone. That's about what Colt Cabana's asking for, is half a million dollars in legal fees. Now, Colt has never made that kind of money. No. Uh, the kind of money CM Punk has made, and that CM Punk is apparently worth. I mean, he lives... He doesn't live in some big mansion. He has a condo in Chicago, which I'm sure is expensive, but it isn't... He's not living like Michael Jordan. He's not living like... He's not living in a mansion in a gated community. He's not that kind of guy to begin with. Yeah. He's a guy of... I don't even know if this guy watches television, you know? He's a comic book reader. He's a nerd. He's he's straight edge, so he's not buying $10,000 bottles of champagne. He's not Enzo Amore. Yeah. He's not going out there... He's not Ric Flair, styling and profiling. Right. This guy just put his money in the bank. It's odd, yeah, he won... His biggest moment was that money in the bank, and I think he put a lot of money in the bank. Yeah. All I can say for Colt Cabana is I hope that this is on paper somewhere, because handshake agreements, much like everything else in this world... Don't hold up in court. They don't hold up in court. They don't mean much of anything. Yeah. I remember even working at a uh, local TV news station, and uh, the lady, she was one of the on-air talents, she went to the boss and... She thought she was going to get a raise or a different shift or something, and he said to her, Oh, did you get that in writing? And she stormed out of there, and she turned in her notice, and that was the end of that. So, document things like that. Get it in writing, even if it's somebody who you consider your friend, because uh, money will <laughs> money ruins relationships between husbands and wives and best friends. If this was some half... If this podcast was some million-dollar enterprise, Patrick, and you realized I owed you some sort of money, and then I thought I didn't or wasn't going to pay it, yeah, uh, we'd have some problems. Yeah, we'd have some difficulty. So I feel sorry that this it might. I feel bad that these two best friends. I mean, CM Punk did a lot for Colt Cabana. I mean, he included him in the pipe bomb promo, basically. Got I mean, which got him tons of notoriety. Yeah. A, a comedy mid-card wrestler. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to get Mark saying, oh, Colt Cabana's much more than that. Before CM Punk name-dropped him on a WWE episode of Raw and then appeared on his podcast, nobody would really know who Colt Cabana is. Yeah. For the most part. The general public. Yeah. Now, Indy... Hardcore wrestling fans would, but that's it. Yeah, and... Kids, so, kids following WWE aren't going to know who that is. Yeah, so Punk did a lot for him, and I hope that this isn't the end of the friendship, and I hope that they can settle this and still be friends, but I doubt it will be since he's sued him. Because usually when you sue somebody, that means that's the end of the friendship. Yeah. He must have documentation to be able to go take it to court, because why then add more legal fees to your already legal fees that you want back? So you're going to court to get legal fees... Which is going to cost you more in legal fees. Yeah. <laughs> it's, doesn't that just suck? It's a kick in the ass. Yeah. So, so really, at the end of the day, by the time all this is said and done, Patrick, if Colt Cabana goes to court and is unsuccessful, it might have been better for him just to have not done anything. Not yeah. brought this back up. Yeah. Declared bankruptcy or whatever he needed to do and just moved on and just chalk it up to a loss. Our legal system is so convoluted that it's it's a mess. It's a real mess, and it's a real shame. 
And uh, it's too bad for those guys. Colt's still going to be at All In, though. He's, yeah. in, he's in a battle royal at All In, so there you go. Ring Warriors did their first TV taping, which will be airing on WGN Network September 15th. Yes, WGN America has picked up a Saturday morning wrestling show. So, uh, the days of being able to turn on some pro wrestling at 10 a.m. are coming back to life. As that's one of the first things I got to watch when I was a kid was a show called Livewire, which was mainly a recap show. At first, it was uh, dark matches and uh, more like Tuesday Night Titans, and then it slowly just became a recap show. But Todd Pettengill was the first WWF voice that I was ever introduced to. And it was Saturdays at 10 a.m. because that was a good time for me as a kid. You know, I don't have, I can't stay up late on Monday. It's past my bedtime. And and they're doing all this terrible stuff on there. They're showing naked ladies or whatever they're doing. So, uh, yeah, live wire at 10 a.m. And then uh, a few years ago, WWE tried uh, that show on Vortex, which was aimed at kids. I don't think this one is aimed at kids, though. This is... Um, they had Velocity at one point in time, didn't it? Wasn't that it one? wasn't Velocity. God, what was it called? Oh. Yeah, so Ring Warriors. Ring Warriors is this group based out of Las Vegas. They've gotten this TV time on WGN America, and they're going to do a wrestling show. And it seems like they're going to just use independent... They're going to use indie guys and uh, make a show out of it. So who knows how long this will last, but... Uh, interesting enough, the... They they do have, you know, the names like Austin Aries, Drake. WGN America has been in the news uh, multiple times this week for wrestling because they are showing the one-hour pre-show to All In on September 1st. And then this show, Ring Warriors, debuts September 15th. So, two weeks later. And... WGN America will not be the home of Ring of Honor, as the Sinclair and Tribune merger has fallen apart, and Ring of Honor, as far as being on a national cable network, a superstation, if you will, I mean, WGN is in almost as many homes, if not more, than USA and TBS, and so that was a big a big blow to Ring of Honor this week. Larry Brandon, the CEO of Ring Warriors, who happens to be a friend of mine on Facebook, who follows our podcast, I was not aware. Um, he's put this thing together. I mean, he's he's running the whole thing. So, congratulations to him for pulling this off. And uh, it was a from the picture he posted here at the first uh, tape, the first taping. It's not a huge crowd, but it's a decent crowd. So I'm intrigued. It looks a lot like a, like a Ring of Honor type show um, with a couple of names in there, but not a ton. So, you know, I'm... Well, and it's all about production value, Patrick. If it looks good with 100 people in there, that's all that matters. I me. see, and I think it's going to. Well, I... and because we watched that ECW Hardcore Heaven 97 show, which was shot like shit. Yeah, and that had eighteen hundred people in it, but I could bear, I could see about fifty. Well, see, and the first thing you can't complain about is the lighting because yes. they got lighting. It's well, obvious in this picture, which is a looks like from kind of a, a balcony back. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, the Hammerstein Ballroom layout with uh, a balcony of seating and then lower tier seating. But a lot of, I mean, lighting technology has improved quite a bit since nineteen ninety seven. Obviously, right. I mean, they've got LEDs everywhere. But the ring is very well lit, and it looks like the crowd is very well lit. So, yeah, it, it looks very, it looks very interesting. I'm intrigued, and uh, and you can rest assured I will be speaking with Larry later on, and uh, and 
seeing if we can't find out a little bit more about Ring Warriors. So uh, stay tuned on that aspect of it. Yeah, you're the only person I've heard of talking about this. So, uh, But like I said, they've got that uh, WGN America has the one-hour pre-show to all in on September 1st, and then, so I wouldn't be su- if they heavily promote Ring Warriors coming to uh, WGN America as well. Uh-oh, so. Glenn Gilberti. Oh, oh, count me in, buddy. Disco. Disco. Yes, Disco Inferno. We need more of that. I was clamoring for a return. I know, I know you were. I know you were intrigued by that. So, but yeah, no, I'm intrigued. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, uh, and while we're on the topic of yeah, WG in America, all in, they got the pre-show, but the main show will be streamed on Fight F I T E uh, Network, and you can also get it on um, Honor Club. Honor Club is also going to have the stream of All In. I don't know how much it costs for either of those services, but you will be we will be able to watch what they do in Chicago on September first with uh, ten thousand people. So, yeah, we'll see what they've got. I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm so pumped. You know, you know what, brother? I am pumped because this past week was none other than the Hulkster's sixty fifth birthday, brother. That's right. Very recently, the Hulkster turned 65, the same age as my dad, which is crazy because, I'm sorry, Hulkster looks a lot older than my dad. But <laughs> That is very true. I mean, <laughs> Hogan's skin is, is leather at this point, but congrats to Hogan to making it to 65, an honor, sadly, a lot of wrestlers don't get to achieve. Very true. And uh, he's back with the WWE. He's back in the family. Things are going Things are looking up for Hogan. They are. So so much so that at the beach shop, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and the Holster brother said that the NWO has a special announcement to make. Yeah, he teased it for uh, the end of October. What? Some sort of announcement. October 29th, I think. What, what could it be? I believe it's that Hulk Hogan is pregnant with Ted Turner's baby. As... as of course, that would be the announcement. That would be intriguing. It would be. That's always my guess now at anything that's being announced. That would be intriguing. I believe, we, we, we talked about it to a degree, I believe it could be that they're announcing a DLC pack and the Hulkster is going to be in 2K19. Yes, a return. from the, uh, A few years ago, they did a Hulk Hogan edition. So, yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, the uh, tape came out, and he was erased from history. So now he can be back in the game. So I, I believe that because that's the end of October. Usually the first DLC pack comes out in January. And, you know, you got January, February, and March, and that's it. So uh, I, I'm thinking that could be the announcement, because that's around the time we start pumping for the first DLC. Yeah, uh, the game comes out in early October. You know, sell a few more copies when you announce that Hogan's back in it or whatever. Or so. we'll announce whoever the first DLC pack's going to be. And so, yeah, no, I'm I'm pumped. Virgil. The whole NWO needs to be in there. Every single member ever. Oh, holy shit. That would be, like, you would need 300 playable characters <laughs> just for the NWO. That's true, yeah. With all different ring attires. And NWO, black and white, black and red. The LWO. The BWO. 
Silver. Silver, NWO 2000, yeah. All the versions. All of them. This week, Patrick, we decided to take a trip down to Orlando, as we did a, a year or two ago. Uh, we decided to go there on, on DVD this time, as we yeah. checked out TNA Genesis from November 19th, 2006, at the Impact Zone in Universal Studios. So, a big pay-per-view event for all 900 in attendance. That's right. That's a big crowd. Get in free with your Universal admission ticket. Just get in line. The good thing for them, these all seem to be rabid TNA fans. These were not just... These were not Mickey Mouse-loving people. Yeah, these were not people strolling in to see Harry Potter World. These were people here to see the match of the decade, as it was billed. The dream match of the decade. Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle. Hold on a second. Kurt Angle in TNA in 2006? Why, yes. In fact, I first want to just talk about where wrestling was at this time in 2006. We've already been there a few times. I'm still in high school. What about you? Uh, I had graduated the year before, so this was uh, my first year of college. Uh, they, the WWE, had just relaunched the ECW brand. I was a junior in uh, in high school. So One Night Stand 2006, of course, the crowning of Rob Van Dam. He would get busted with Sabu for pot and lose the title to Edge. Then it turned into Edge and is pretty much just Edge and John Cena on the Raw brand for the rest of the year. Over on SmackDown, it was King Booker's reign, and Batista would be challenging him throughout 2006. I hate King Booker. I know you like King <laughs> Booker, but but in between all this, so they relaunched the ECW brand, and Paul Heyman wanted Kurt Angle to be the face of the ECW brand. Now, in real life, Kurt Angle was pissed that he was being sent to ECW, as anybody would, because we all know what happened to the ECW brand. So, as soon as Angle realized what was happening, Kurt Angle was not very happy about the direction ECW was going. He was also heavily addicted to pain pills at this time, had worked something like a record 47 pay-per-views in a row, if you include the British pay-per-views, since debuting in the company. This guy would never stop for anything. No. And so, in order to keep going, uh, became heavily addicted to painkillers. The WWE was actually scared for his health, and so he wanted out of his contract. And they said, you know, okay, it's for your health. We're, we're scared for you. Go ahead and leave. So, on August 25th, Engel was granted an early release from his contract because of health reasons. Engel stated in the Kurt Angle champion documentary that he asked for his release because he could not take time off and was working hurt severely on some occasions. He also stated that when he quit, WWE lost their top talent as he was the very top of the payroll. Angle wrestled his last match in ECW taping on August 8th, which ended in a no contest against Sabu. Now, why I never thought I would see Kurt Angle back in the WWE is because what happened in September. On September 24th, 2006, during the closing segment of a TNA pay-per-view called No Surrender, Dixie Carter announced TNA had signed Kurt Angle to a contract. This did not sit well with Vince McMahon. And I remember at the time going to the WWE.com and then burying Kurt Angle, saying that he was, he was you know, a pillhead. I mean, in, not in those words, but like saying... 
He's addicted. That's why he got out of here. We cut him because we were scared for his health. He told us he would come back sometime. And then here we are. He announced he signed with this other company. So basically just buried him. He's a piece of shit. Fuck this guy. And was basically written out of WWE lore. You know, would not be referenced that much. If he was referenced, it was, you know, a video of him taking a pedigree or getting beaten. You know, just to put other people over and... and Reminds me something about the Ultimate Warrior. Just wanna... Or Jeff Jarrett. People yeah. that, they burnt their bridge. And uh, you never really thought you would see them ever again in WWE. And yet, we've seen them all come back. It's pretty crazy. It's true. Now, you mentioned the Stinger. After WCW closed in 2001, the Stinger went to World Wrestling All-Stars. Remember that little uh, segment? No. You don't. Well, it was in Australia, and uh, it was in Ireland. It was mostly done overseas, but they had some pay-per-views. And I think the WWE actually owns their tape library. I think that World Wrestling All-Stars tape library is owned by WWE now. The two people involved was Andrew McManus and Jeremy Borash, who would uh, later go on to work with TNA. So, of course, when WWA falls apart... So Jarrett, Sting, everybody from WCW that didn't come over, basically, ended up in this World Wrestling All-Stars. So, in 2003, Sting signed a contract for four appearances with TNA. He would go on to then work with the company until... Gosh. He worked with the company until 2014. So what started as four appearances... Just gonna do four appearances, buddy. Turned in... To, did almost a decade in TNA, the Stinger. So, where was the main event picture? What was going on in the WWE? Well, John Cena had won the WWE title from Edge in a TLC match against Edge back in... He won the title back in September. But then I think he got hurt because he did not really defend that belt for a while. So what did we get in the meantime, Patrick? A DX reunion. Oh, yeah. The T-shirt reunion, as it's remembered, as it was just Shawn Michaels and just Triple H doing their version of comedy, in quotation marks, as they would foil, as they would fuck with Vince. So it's Vince's son-in-law just fucking with them. They would feud with rated RKO. They would... It was just not a good... Very little memorable segments from this version of DX. In fact, I would say it was probably the worst incarnation of DX. So that's what was going on in the WWE. It was a DX reunion, John Cena, King Booker. This kind of stuff was going on in 2006. Meanwhile, over in TNA, the wrestling bar had actually been raised because they were actually putting on really good wrestling matches week to week. They'd gotten on Spike TV, uh, Impact was now a weekly show. They were taping it uh, at the Impact Zone in Florida, just like WCW used to do with Nitro and uh, Saturday Night, just tape a bunch of episodes in the same spot so they didn't have to go on tour. The guys were free to work indie dates, and they got some of the best talent in the world coming in and out of their doors during this time because on this card we're about to review, Genesis 2006, you have the current Ring of Honor champion, Jay Lethal, you have the current Impact Champion, Austin Aries. And you have the current WWE Champion, AJ Styles. Correct. All on this pay-per-view from 12 years ago. It's pretty incredible. 
the amount of talent that they had. Everything about this show, I loved. So, I'll spoil it for you. I really loved this pay-per-view. It was, it was a very good paper. It starts out with a cheesy intro with the moon landing, Patrick. This Genesis 2006 is just as important as Neil Armstrong stepping foot on the moon. I would agree to that. This, this really is. It's right up there. This is, of course, uh, David Sahadi put this together. He was the old WWE guy that did all those great Freddie Blassie promos. He left the company. He was so disgusted with the Katie Vick angle. They also did something with his father, I think, around this time, and that pissed him off. So he just quit. And so now he's doing the montages for Impact, and you can tell that... TNA had some great video montages here. They were very well put together. They did not look cheap, even though they were. Their announcer. I just love the the voiceover guy for TNA. Impact. I just like that deep voice that he had. We're going to start with a three-on-two handicap match, as I've skipped the pre-show. Sorry. In the pre-show, Eric Young defeated Bobby Roode with Miss Brooks in four minutes, so... That's what was on the pre-show. Sorry. We start with a three-on-two handicap match. Team one is Kazarian, Johnny Devine, and Maverick Matt, which would be a group known as Serotonin. I note here, when they come out, they look a lot like the flock. We'll find out why later on. They're taking on none other than the New Age Outlaws. No, 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 Patrick. This is not the New Age Outlaws. This is the Voodoo Kin Mafia. Totally different guys. What?! Now, this is Kip James and BG James, not Billy Gunn and Road Dog Jesse James. Now, I know they look and sound exactly the same, but it's not. It's No, they are the same. It's true. Both of these guys, Road Dog got fired from WWE for, uh, he got fired for drugs that don't make you big and bulky, and Billy Gunn got fired for the drugs that make you big and bulky. So, both of these guys kind of got fired for sort of the same reasons, but for different reasons. And they end up here in TNA. The James Gang, basically, as they are, uh, for some reason, Kip took on Brian's last name. So, they are married. The James Gang. The match starts. Road Dog immediately does his shake, rattle, and roll punches. But Maverick super kicks his head off. Slick Johnson, remember him from WCW? The evil ref working for the NWO 2000 and Jeff Jarrett. He's the ref here, so keep an eye on him. The heels just get heat on Road Dog forever. VKM is way over with this crowd, though, because they're chanting DX sucks, VKM, VKM. Kip gets the hot tag, and he destroys all three of these flock-looking guys, gives the pedigree to Maverick, wonder why. It's like he's sending a message. By the way, tonight, our commentators are Mike Tanay and Don West, who, as a child, Don West kept me up at night on the Shop at Home Network, Selling trading cards and beanie babies. This man was amazing at his job. Shop at home, a network like uh, QVC or HSN. It's actually no longer in business anymore, I don't think. Uh, Don West was their late night guy. And, you know, say what you will about his wrestling commentary. He's way better than Mark Madden was. He's way better than a lot of other people that uh, I would say is better than Jonathan Coachman. But he did something that no other shop at home person could ever make me do. And that's sit down and watch because he was so entertaining. He was fired up about a Michael Jordan rookie card. He would tell you over and over again how great it was. He could he could sit there and wax poetic about a Beanie Baby and make it sound like the greatest fucking Beanie Baby on the planet. You need to call right now. 
your life will change forever. Did you buy that Beanie Baby? I didn't. I never bought anything from him. But I thought, because some of those lots he had on there were like thousands of dollars. Like You wanted to be the guy that called in and got to talk to him, wasn't it? Yes, I wanted to chat it up with Don West and just kick it with Don West. At his house shows, you know, it was the Don West brown bag special. He took the shopping thing into TNA with That's him. true. He was just trying to... You bought one of the brown bag specials. You ended up with a... Uh, I ended up with a couple of DVDs and uh, a Pac-Man Jones yeah, t-shirt. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you got like... I, I forgot the football player's name, but yeah, you got a Pac-Man Jones t-shirt, so... He was contacted by Vince Russo in 2000, but declined and stayed with Shop at Home. And then, yeah, went right from Shop at Home Network to, to TNA. TNA. Oh, okay. But Vince Russo heavily involved with TNA, so I'm sure probably had some... Had something to do with it. Had something to do with that. So Kip, or Billy Gunn here, gives one of the worst looking pedigrees I've ever seen, by the way, to Mr. Maverick. Tunes up the band, but never hits the super kick. Then they throw the heels to the outside. He hits Jinder Mahal's Colossus, which was his finisher as the one Billy Gunn, I think, and wins the match as he pins Johnny Devine. It wasn't about the match, though. It was all about shooting, brother. You've worked yourself into a shoot, and now it's time for VKM to cut a promo on the DX reunion. And the crowd wanted this so badly. And they're going to get it. I have no complaints because it gave the people exactly what they wanted. And uh, I'll include Road Dogg's promo here, but, you know, the worst thing you can do... Sean Higginbottom! Paul Levesque! We're calling you out! And just, you know, just general bullshittery. What's funny is that during this time, and in, in, until they were brought back to the WWE, they would do shoot interviews and just shit on Triple H. Just say, I'll talk trash and, you oh, know, yeah. shoot on them here and tell them that they're a big disgrace and that, you know, they were the part, the real DX is right here and all this stuff. But but they both come crawling back, Patrick. They both s- suckle on the teat of Triple H as soon as he comes calling. So it's just odd that I wonder how they actually really, no one will ever know how they actually really feel about Triple H and Vince. That's true. Because of all these mixed messages. I'm sure that Kip feels a little I differently. I was going to say, I'm sure Kip James feels a little uh, a little pissed off, but... Uh, Road Dog, I mean, is running SmackDown now. Yeah. So he probably feels great. Road Dog ends his promo with a Bachman-Turner Overdrive reference. You ain't seen nothing yet. Vincent K. McMahon, Michael Hickenbottom, and Paul Levesque, last week... Thursday on Impact, you got our declaration of war. Well, friends, that was just verbal combat. So I promise you this, Vince, Paul, and Michael, now the ground war begins. Gentlemen, gather around the groove tube on Thursday night, because I promise, baby, you just ain't seen nothing yet. Which I thought was really lame. You know, the match was shit, but... The people just wanted VKM to win. They won. They wanted a shoot promo. They got a shoot promo. Nothing wrong Went with that. Went back and that was it. It's so good to see Mike Tanay back. He was really good. He really came into his own in TNA. And uh, it was nice to not be oh. held back by Shivani. I was going to say, I don't think he really got the opportunity that he should have on Nitro. Well, when WCW folded, they really should have brought Tanay in to be on SmackDown. Because he could have been SmackDown's JR. 
and it would have all been swell. Him and Scott Hudson, I feel like, were very... Well, Scott Hudson got brought in, but they didn't keep him. Right, I just feel like they were very underrated. They run down the card. It's an awesome card. Remember how I said those guys up front, serotonin, look like the flock? Well, Johnny Devine, he got pinned, so he gets his head covered with like a, a mask, like an execution mask. Uh-oh. We're gonna have, are we going to have a beheading? What, yeah, what's about it was, to happen here? It's pretty here? weird and disturbing. And then Raven, white-haired Raven, who looked to be wearing <laughs> what I would call the uh, cone of shame that like a dog would wear around his neck, comes down to the ring. And he's got a cane, but it's it's not a Singapore cane that you're used to. It's like it looks like solid, like plastic or metal or and it's it's purple. <laughs> it's a purple cane. It's fucking purple. So and not like a normal purple. This is like neon fucking Barney purple. Well, you got to make it shine under those lights, Patrick. You got to get the people to see it. So Raven comes down, and Johnny Devine kneels. In the middle of the ring. And, and he takes his punishment. He takes a lashing. A This was brutal to watch, dude. Oh, dude, I hated this. Because I actually had this done to me, like, fucking around with friends or something before. I've said, like, oh, it can't hurt that bad. And not with, like, a Singapore cane. I forget what it was. If it was, like, a, like a, maybe, like, a foam baseball bat or something. And I had someone, like, beat me over the back with it a bunch. I involuntarily started crying. I wasn't sad yeah because i agreed to let this happen but just watching this it was, it was very very painful like the he lashes bleeding from it from the lashes it yeah was, i mean it was it was you remember sandman and tommy dreamer yeah that kind of yeah yeah yes ma'am may i have another yeah, yeah. That, yeah it was very reminiscent to that but it was god it was brutal to watch and this crowd, those sick fucks in the crowd here, they loved got him. it. They yeah, they loved it, and they wanted one more. He needed one more. He hit him like what four or five times. It was- Luckily, Raven did not give in to the crowd and do one more. So we go backstage. Shane Douglas and the Naturals. Shane Douglas is now a mentor to this tag team. You know what? Don't interrupt, but jump back. I'd like to see Mickey come out and hit him with a <laughs> Mickey. Who? We're in Orlando, Disney, oh, Mickey Mouse. Well, it's Universal, oh. so different characters. It'd what? have to be like Back oh. to the Future. I don't know, a <laughs> Jurassic Park, a raptor. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, Universal, I guess, had Spider-Man at one point. I don't know who they all have. Who's their guy? That would have Well, now it'd be... Harry, yeah, Harry Potter would need to come down there and beat you with a, a, <laughs> a broom. Alright, you, you mentioned Shane Douglas. Okay, yeah, so Shane Douglas... Shane Douglas has this tag team, the Naturals, Andy Douglas, no relation, and Chase Stevens, who is a man with a tramp stamp. They are his protégés. They are called the Naturals, by the way. They're pissed off because the Dudleys took the belts and went to Japan. So uh, they're over there, and they said, fuck this pay-per-view, we'd rather just work in Japan. This did not make Shane Douglas happy. And so before they went to Japan, they put the Dudleys through tables, uh, so... This is to be continued. So the Naturals here will be taking on the stars of the X Division, Sanjay Dutt, and current Ring of Honor champion, Jay Lethal. Now, was this before they had Chris Candido as manager, or after? Because Candido managed them before. No, he had passed away in 2005, so this would have been after. This is 
after his uh, injury at lockdown involving the Naturals, by the way. Stevens tries a sunset flip powerbomb to the floor on Lethal. Instead, Lethal springboards Sanjay into the Naturals. Dutt and Lethal fly into the Naturals. A suicide dive, and Dutt hits a tope con Hilo. This is wrestling chance, which uh, you don't hear that much anymore. Amazing tandem work here between Dutt and Lethal on Stevens, as they are just so fast, so quick in this match. Stevens low blows Lethal in plain view of the ref, and it's fine. This allows the heels to take control of Lethal. Andy Douglas seems to be more limited of the two naturals. Jerry Lynn is apparently the mentor of the X Division. We have a couple of mentors for the X Division. We have Jerry Lynn and Kevin Nash, apparently, as we'll learn later. Oh, I believe Nash, absolutely. Well, this is before Dr. Nash as well. Um, But, yeah, so these two guys are the mentors of the X Division, so Jerry Lynn is out to watch. The Naturals wishbone Lethal. The Naturals put a long rest hold on Lethal, and, uh, you know, Stevens will reach out and grab the other guy's arm as leverage, and the ref breaks it up with a kick, and I never like it when you refs do that, when you kick to break stuff up. If we tell you to you're break... Making it, you're making it about yourself when you do that. If we you tell you that. to break, you better break, or we're going to make you break. Douglas hits a high knee to Lethal for two. Stevens hits a wheelbarrow slam to Lethal. Then Dutt gets a hot tag, levels Stevens with a drop kick, head scissors, drop kick to the feet, neck breaker to Douglas. Sanjay Dutt might be the fastest man I've ever seen on Retro Wrestling Podcasts. Sanjay Dutt then hits a seated senton on Douglas. Lethal lands an insiguri, hits a flatliner to Stevens, and Dutt hits a lion salt, but only gets a two count. Shane doesn't seem so concerned despite his boys getting their ass kicked. Shane punches Dutt on the turnbuckle. Stevens lifts him up for a powerbomb, but Andy Douglas basically springboard drop kicks into Stevens, which somehow makes the powerbomb more vicious, I guess? It was a weird-looking finisher. The Naturals win, but they look like absolute shit compared to Sanjay Dutt and Jay Lethal, but mainly just to Sanjay Dutt. The man was moving at the speed of sound. He was connecting with everything. It was awesome. Uh, the Naturals, though, they they suck. I'm sorry. They they were terrible, so fuck them. Jeremy Borash is backstage with LAX and Conan. Petey Williams, a Canadian, stopped Conan from burning the American flag. So that's kind of weird. That uh, He's yeah. proud to be a Canadian, damn it. He's proud to be a Canadian. He's so proud that he'll save America. It's like no other Americans were around to stop LAX from burning the flag. Conan, though, cuts a great heel anti-American promo, which I'll include. I am backstage with the Latin American Exchange and Conan this last Thursday night. What a shocking turn of events, the three of you vowing to burn the American flag. However, it was the Canadian Petey Williams on hand to save the flag from being burned. And as a result of his efforts, he received a severe beating at the hands of Latin American Exchange and you, Conan. That's right, like a true Canadian. Petey Williams is a coward, he had a change of heart, but it doesn't matter, Petey Williams, because if you want to be part of a country that sends its soldiers to Iraq to get slaughtered under false pretenses, if you want to be part of a country where no longer does the government serve its people, but it serves big business in the military, because we've seen that here, war is profit, you go ahead, it doesn't matter, and America, keep sending your emails, long distance phone calls, telegrams, whatever it is that you're doing, it doesn't matter, because if you try to stop us, Remember, we're American citizens. You're infringing on our constitutional rights. So tonight, we will burn the flag, and there's nothing any gringo can do about it. 
AMW. They say that revenge is a dish best served cold. LAX, we're cold-blooded, 5150. If you think what we did to AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and Gail Kings was something, haha, you haven't seen anything yet. Watch as the ambassadors of violence, LAX, turn up the level of violence. Rumor has it backstage, Jim Cornette is here to represent TNA management. We're hearing huge ramifications after what you tried to pull Thursday. Screw Jim Cornette! He can't tell us what to do. That gringo asqueroso, ese puto, he can't tell us anything. We don't take no orders from no white boy. Orale! Arriba la raza! He says tonight the flag will burn and no gringo will stop him. Conan on the mic is gold. Another guy. Didn't get a fair shot in the WWE, even as a manager. Would just be awesome. Jim Cornette says they'll get in trouble. Conan says he don't take no orders from white boys. <laughs> Petey Williams is a hero, says Mike Tanay. And Mike Tanay gets so serious when he's talking about Petey Williams saving the flag. This is like Petey Williams stopped 9 11, basically, here. A promo plays for Sabin and Christopher Daniels, two best friends, explode. Throughout their careers, they have defined the X Division. Two pioneers who have dedicated their lives to create the most extraordinary division in professional wrestling today. The fallen angel Christopher Daniels, one of the most dominant forces in professional wrestling, and the reigning X-Division champion, a man who has dedicated his career to perfecting his high-flying style. Along with his close friend, the phenomenal AJ Styles, he has returned to the X Division to restore respect and a code of honor. Chris Saban, an amazing star whose skills are only topped by his attitude, an arrogance that has led to defeat and an end to a brief X Division title run. Now he wants back what he feels is rightfully his, and he will retrieve it at any cost. Will his lust for power blind him on his path to personal glory? Or will honor truly be restored to the signature X Division? The TNA voice guy does a great job of getting this match over. The X Division title match is next. Daniels won this from AJ, another friend of his. He says they'll still be friends, but he's here to talk about Chris Sabin. Real shaky promo from Christopher Daniels. A great, great wrestler, but he's never been a promo guy. Yeah. And that's the one thing... Of, He's been to, by the way, he was in WWF, WCW, New Japan. He's been all of Ring of Honor. He's been all over the world. But the guy just is not a good speaker. Well, Jeremy, AJ Styles and I, we're friends. We're best friends. But when it comes to this championship, my first priority isn't friendship. It's victory. And I've been known to take any steps necessary to get that victory. AJ, well, he has his own issues. But I don't want to talk about his issues. I want to talk about Chris Sabin's issues. Chris, you've always been a talented athlete. But do you think this new attitude of yours is going to get you somewhere in the X Division? You think disrespecting Christopher Daniels or AJ Styles is going to get you somewhere? Like we owe you something? You need to understand this. AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels built this X Division. We earned everything we ever had. And tonight at Genesis, in this ring, I will show you why I am the longest reigning X Division champion in TNA history. And at the end of tonight, I will have two things. I will have this championship, and I will have your respect. And that, young man, is gospel. 
And he and he's also he he has this character, the fallen angel. There's nothing about this character that comes through other than he's that's just a nickname. Like, yeah. so that's my one knock. He's a really nice guy. Like when we were at uh, WrestleCon or whatever, and he he was the Ring of Honor champion. Then I just saw how nice he was shaking people's hands, and that's why he gets so much work is because he's easy to work with and stuff. Yeah. But and he's a great in ring performer, one of the best. But just can't can't do the mic stuff and. That's probably why the WWE never hired him full-time. TNA does something pretty cool here. They look at the X-Factors for the X-Division title. So they do bullet points about what who needs to do what. Sort of like how they do in like boxing. Yeah. Or UFC, a tale of the tape. Yeah. I think the WWE should kind of go back to this. Saban is out first. He cost AJ a shot at Sting for the NWA title. Oh, this is still NWA TNA, by the way. There's still The partnership is still there. The 10 pounds of gold is uh, still alive and well here in 2006. Here comes the Fallen Angel. Fallen Angel chants for Daniels. Saban, Saban slows Daniels with a thumb to the eye and then goes to strikes. Daniel tries some pinfalls out of arm drags to no success. Hip toss, Saban rolls out to regroup. Smash feels like it'll get really good, but I'm having my doubts here at first because Saban is wrestling so much like a heel. Like, I'm just not going to engage. I'm not going to get in the ring. I'm going to keep rolling out. He's doing a good job. They do some crisscross action with Daniel's boot ending up holding Saban's head down on the mat. Almost a uh, tribute to Tank Abbott and Big Al here. It's, uh, Saban's head was held down on the mat with a boot. Springboard moonsault from Daniels. Then Saban drop kicks Daniels out of the ring. Saban does the heel move of running like he's going to do a suicide dive. But then he stops. I loved that because the crowd just fucking hated it. And instead jumps and just hits a double sledge, which was awesome. Like, fuck you guys. You're not going to get a cool move here. Saban drops an elbow, nips up with a drop kick to the back of the head for a two count. Gives the Magna Claw to Daniels. Oh, the pain. Then a surfboard, tree of woe to Daniels, and a drop kick to his face. AJ Styles then appears in the ring and takes a chair away from Saban. Which is stupid, because let the guy get DQ'd. Fuck him. Yeah, your friend gets hit with a chair, but he keeps his belt. Isn't that what's important here? Well, no, as we find out, that's not the case in uh, TNA. It's true. Daniels hits a massive plancha from the turnbuckle to the ramp to Saban. Then he hits an overhead pole thrust slam, I think is what it was called for a two count. Saban stops the best moonsault ever. A springboard DDT destroys Daniels, but only gets a two count. Inseguri to Saban, but Saban hits the sit-out powerbomb for two. Saban tries another DDT, but Daniels hits the Death Valley driver. Best moonsault ever. One, two, and is this ECW? Because Saban kicks out. This is awesome chances the match is really picked up. The Angel's wings are fought off. Then a dragon screw leg whip. Saban hits a big boot, looks for the cradle shock. Daniels nearly gets him with a crucifix. Actually, the ref's hand hits three times, but I'll let it slide as it was very close. It was close. It was close, but his his hand did hit three times. Chris Saban tries a powerbomb. Daniels rolls him up for a three, so Rudy Charles did just fuck up the finish, as uh, Daniels would have just won with the crucifix. So, yeah, ref, uh, I know you fucked up there. You should have just let it ring the bell. Still with it. He was just going to roll him up anyway, so. Exactly. But an excellent match. It was awesome. Like, Saban wrestled like a great heel. Uh, he would deliver years of great matches with uh, Alex Shelley, as far as the uh, Motor City Machine Guns. A tremendous talent. A guy who also, like AJ Styles, if he had come to the WWE, would have gotten lost in the shuffle. 
and so it was probably better the way his career went. And uh, wrestling here with Daniels, just awesome. X Division. I mean, this was their this was their cruiserweight division, you know, of WCW. This was their key. This was what they were known for, and uh, they really delivered on this match. I enjoyed the match. I thought it was a very high impact match. I enjoyed the uh, the concept of it with um, with Daniels and Sabian. I I personally think Christopher Daniels is very underrated as an athlete. I think he's hands down one of the best. Oh, he's an amazing athlete. In, he's forty seven years old. He does not wrestle like a forty seven no. year old person. No, not at all. And so uh, I'm very. I was. I'm always blown away when he steps in the ring, especially him and Kazarian nowadays. Also, these guys were almost brought in in WCW in 2000. Uh, a guy named Bob Mould uh, wanted to bring in Kazarian and Christopher Daniels in 2000. And uh, I think Daniels ended up there for a minute, but he had the vision to bring, you know, all this great talent. So had WCW stuck around, who knows what could have happened. But So after the match, Saban tries to deck Daniels with a chair, but Jerry Lynn says, no, no, no. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not worth it, bro. Jerry Lynn is ready to scrap, though. He says, obey the code of honor, as we have a ring of honor sort of reference here. Is time to shake hands. Shake hands and obey the code of honor, motherfuckers. That's right. And they do. Until he hits the cradle shock and runs away laughing. <laughs> Which was awesome. So, good. A great uh, post-match angle. Uh, simple. That's one thing I really liked about this pay-per-view. Everything was very simple. The storylines are simple to follow. Yeah. There was no uh, dead girlfriends, abductions, crazy electrified fences. Everything was very simple to understand in this thing. We're backstage with Paparazzi Productions as Kevin Nash is wanting 90% tonight from the boys. Don't give them everything. Just give them 90%. Which is a Kevin Nash thing to say because... I don't think Kevin Nash has ever given 90% to anything. Guys, I got a bad feeling about this one, man. You're just not with me tonight. I got a bad feeling about this one. Guys, we're in a tailspin. We got to come out of this funk. We need to win bad tonight. Can I count on you guys collectively to give me 90%? I can give you at least 90%. I don't know about downward spiral over hey, here. Hey, 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 hey. I always give 100%. He'll give you 70. That'll equal 90. Kevin, Have we put the wrestling a... thing, the wrestling court behind us yet? Is that, is that of gone? Of course, I put that behind well, me he, weeks ago. If he'd pay me the 100 bucks, I'd put it behind you me, too. You paid him? The check's in the mail, buddy. Oh, okay? Oh, Check your box. Check yeah? your box. Check your box. Lock it up. Uh, exactly. Listen, guys. If you just follow my lead, you guys will have careers like some incredible stars that I've been a part of. Like Lasertron? Nelson Royal? George Scott. Pork Chop Cash? Don Kernodal? George South. Brody Chase? George South. Real Riggins? Hector Garza? Italian Stallion? Ah, uh, guys, we could go on forever. The thing is, is tonight, we need a win. At all costs, we need a win. Guys, can we get in here on this? Come on, guys. Get in here. You go in. I'll go in. I'll go in. Right. It's win one for Bo. Shem Mickler? Derek. Oh, nice. I'll do that. Yeah. 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 Like that. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Nash rocking a Vols hat. Kevin Nash not giving a fuck. This is... Perfect for Kevin Nash. This is the role he was born to play. 
himself. They do a weird handshake thing at the end. His boys are Austin Starr and Alex Shelley. And amazingly, it's almost like that was pre-taped because when we cut back to the arena, Nash is already at the commentary desk. (laughs) So that was all pre-taped. So his boys are coming out to the ring. R-Truth and Lance Hoyt are out to take them on. I have no interest in this match, really. Uh, I I didn't either. Because I don't really care for Lance Hoyt at all. I know you don't like Austin Starr. Yeah, I'm not a... So, what I would have taken is Alex Shelley R-Truth singles match. I would have somewhat cared about. I considered this to be a waste of the the pay-per-view. Yeah, Nash was great, like I said backstage, but as a commentator, he sucks. Shelley does a Rick Rude pose to R-Truth for some reason. Current Impact Champion Austin Starr is in the ring next. Austin just dances instead of wrestling. R-Truth and dances. Starr finally kicks him. Truth power slams him. This is just a comedy mid-car match. Lance Hoyt and his tramp stamp tattoo tries a moonsault. Thankfully, he gets crotched and lands in the tree of woe. Starr attacks him. Earl Hebner loses control of the match for a second. By the way, Earl Hebner had been fired from the WWE for selling bootleg t-shirts out of his trunk with his brother, so congrats. So he's working here for TNA now. Hebner loses control of the match for a second. Austin Starr and Shelley hit a stereo neckbreaker to Hoyt. Starr and Shelley keep Hoyt in their corner. Hey, did you know Impact airs on Thursdays? Because they remind us every five fucking minutes that Impact, Thursday night... That's how interesting this match was. Truth gets on the post and goes for a was up, but instead of a headbutt, it's a leg drop and nails it on Shelly. But then Shelly takes out Truth. Star suicide dives Truth. Shelly tries his finisher, which is a frog splash, to Hoyt's knee. Uh, so Austin Star, he's a, he's a star, and he wants the camera to get in close for the finish. And Hoyt just rolls him up. Despite having a bad leg that just got frog splashed, Hoyt rolls up one of the two... Nash boys and one two three, this match sucked. This was the piss break match. It really was, and unfortunately, I'm I hate saying that about a, a Ron the Truth Killings match. Dude, I think I've always thought he's not very good. Really? I think I think he's good in the ring, but the thing is, it's it's his comedy shit that I don't like. Oh, also, see, I think he's a talented wrestler. I, I do I don't, too. I don't but... think he's good on a microphone, and I don't. I love to watch his matches, but this, unfortunately, was one match that I did not care about that he was involved in. So No, this sucked. Nash is not happy that Truth is dancing. Okay, now time for some real wrestling again. We get the AJ and Christian promo. Christian's been here for a year, won the title, lost it to Sting without being pinned in a multi-man match. He's still the number one contender, though, despite not being the in the title match tonight, somehow. Anyway, we're told AJ Styles embodies TNA. They're going to meet for the first time. Shit, yeah. I'm like, I can't wait to see this. This is my two of my favorite wrestlers here. Two men have traveled very different paths to be the very best in TNA wrestling. Christian Cage, after quitting the WWE a year ago to join the ranks of TNA Wrestling, Cage debuted at last year's Genesis pay-per-view event. In that time, he climbed his way to the World Heavyweight Championship, only to lose it in the King of the Mountain match at Slammiversary, knowing he was never pinned for the very championship he worked so hard to attain. 
An outspoken champion of his own cause, Christian Cage is now obsessed with regaining the World Heavyweight Championship and is not afraid to state his case. I am still undefeated, and I am still the real number one contender! On the other end of that spectrum is the phenomenal AJ Styles, heralded as the most athletically gifted performer in professional wrestling today. Styles takes a much different approach, letting his actions in the ring do the talking for him. A man who embodies the very essence of TNA wrestling. Athletic, courageous, and at times, completely breathtaking. Now, both men are at a crossroads. This Sunday night at Genesis, two of professional wrestling's all-stars will meet for the first time. It's Christian Cage versus the phenomenal AJ Styles at Genesis. JB is with Christian. Did you make a mistake by challenging AJ? Mistakes are for losers. JB rolls his eyes at Christian, claiming he handles things like a man. I don't make mistakes, JB. Mistakes are for losers. And in case you were too busy applying your eyeshadow and putting on your lip gloss, you'd realize that Christian Cage is undefeated in TNA. I, don't, I, I overlook no man. And it's obvious that AJ Styles isn't overlooking me because in case you missed it, he jumped me during the... When I have a problem with somebody, I take care of my business face to face like a man. Did you just roll your eyes at me? Did you just roll your eyes at me? If you ever roll your eyes at me again, I'll tear your face off and I'll wipe my... AJ, it's like this. I've put together myself a little victim's list. And you just happen to be the latest addition, but fear not, because you're in some pretty good company. Because you might be forgetting what I did to Sting when I cracked him upside the head with a guitar. Or when I beat Jeff Jarrett for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. You don't see him around here anymore, do you? Or when I beat Abyss. Or when I embarrassed Rhino in his hometown. Or I crushed him inside of Six Sides of Steel barbed wire cage match. AJ Styles. You're just one of the many of a long and growing list. About to find out firsthand why I am the biggest star in this industry, the biggest star in TNA. And remember this Abyss, Sting, whoever walks out of there tonight as the world heavyweight champion, know that Christian Cage will be waiting on the other side. And this time I'm not waiting for my title shot, I'm taking it. Phenomenal AJ Styles is out first. The current WWE Champion here in 2018, Christian Cage is out for all his peeps. Let's go AJ, let's go Christian dueling chance. The crowd is super hot for this match. They smack the shit out of each other to start the match. Then big forearms from AJ and a shoulder block. AJ hits a few more shoulder tackles. Blocks an unprettier. Goes for a Styles Clash, but Christian blocks it. Christian wants a chair, gets decked in the back of the head by AJ, which is fine apparently. You can hear the smack of the shots from AJ. He was not holding back. Christian bails outside to regroup again. AJ hits a tope con hilo to Christian. T and A chants again. You definitely don't hear those anymore. He mostly hit the rails. Ouch, though, when he went for this tope con hilo. His legs, AJ's legs, just smack into the guardrails. And I write here, he seems to have really hurt his leg or he's just selling it well. You'll see what happens in the rest of the match. Christian drives the leg to the apron, slings him into the guardrail. Christian hits an inverted DDT into a backbreaker for a two. 
chin lock to slow things down to AJ. Then AJ hits a standing head scissors, but gets turned inside out with a clothesline by Christian. AJ misses a splash. Christian hits a side suplex. Another chin lock to AJ. Hits the Ushigoroshi to Christian. He climbs to the top. Misses a five-star frog splash. Then they battle on the turnbuckle. AJ hits a Frankensteiner out of nowhere. And now both men are down. We get into another chop and strike battle. A beautiful drop kick to Christian. And AJ marks out how good his own drop kick was, which I really liked. I just went so excited that he did something really well. A big knee to the head, but only gets two for AJ. Christian does the Ric Flair beg spot. Oh, please don't hurt me anymore. Please don't. And he catapults AJ into the corner. He lands on the second rope and hits a moonsault into an inverted DDT. Holy shit. One, two, and of course Christian kicks out of what should have been the finish as AJ hit this incredible move. Incredible. Don't believe Mr. AJ Styles can do that anymore. Nope, he's gotten up there. This was 12 years ago, but... I don't think there are guys in the company that he would feel comfortable even being able to do that with. That's true. I mean, is Randy Orton going to let you do that to him? Hell no. TNA chance for that. This is awesome chance for that. Christian lands a massive spear for a near fall in a tribute to his friend Edge. Unprettier attempt again, but AJ escapes. Tries a Styles Clash, but gets the Pele kick. Christian kicks it too. AJ tries a springboard, but Christian catches him. Hits a powerbomb, gets a two count. Christian brings the chair in the ring. Daniels this time. Christopher Daniels is out to help his friend AJ in this match. Stops him, but this backfires as Christian steals the win when a sunset flip attempt is countered, and he pins AJ Styles and sneakily wins this uh, amazing match between two very, very good performers. And Christian still undefeated in his own mind, despite losing a multi-man match. He was not pinned. They're doing a lot of uh, undefeated gimmicks here in TNA at this time, so Christian was one of them. And now we have dissension between AJ and Christopher Daniels. Then Lethal and Dutt break it up. Then Rhino is in the ring. He wants everyone to just cool down and leave, as Rhino is now uh, a psychiatrist, I guess. He wants AJ and Daniels to try and work it out. Code of honor, guys. Shake hands. Will it work this time? AJ takes the mic. He refuses the handshake. Says, Thanks, Dr. Phil. And then leaves. And that is your... There's your direction from here where AJ would be going. But uh, the match was awesome. Want to see more of it. So I'm glad it wasn't a, you know, decisive win. I'm glad he didn't hit an unprettier or whatever. I loved the match. I loved the match, hands down. Quite possibly, arguably, match of the night. Borash is with America's Most Wanted and Gail Kim. Wildcat does the talking. That is a mistake. Don't let this man talk. Cross the border, cross the line, brother. Storm gives a racist promo with English being spouted, which is weird because Gail Kim is sitting, standing right there, and he's doing... She's a proud American. She's Canadian. I am backstage with America's Most Wanted and Gail Kim. Gentlemen, last Thursday night on Impact, Conan and his Latin American exchange vowed to burn the American flag. They were unsuccessful. However, they have vowed to do it again tonight. And the two of you stand in their way. Yeah, we stand in their way because vowing to do it and actually doing it are two different things. Let's take this story back to the beginning, JB. Let's take it all the way back to the day you laid the three of us out and you draped the Mexican flag over top of us. 
You gave Gail Kim a border toss halfway across the country. Well, take a good look, boys, because this is one tough mamacita. Then you found out that AMW can give you a taste of your own medicine. We have no problem jumping you guys from behind. Then you come back at us one more time. Border toss storm into a stone wall. Shatter my wrist with a guardrail. Well, boys, take a look right here. Because the cowboy still rides and the southpaw will still fly. Didn't you guys... Conan, you not only want to cross the border, you want to cross the ultimate line. Stand in our country and say you are going to burn the American flag? No way! We haven't always had the greatest attitude in the world, but we have never turned our back on the United States of America. Tonight, there's a lot more than titles on the line. There is a whole lot of pride. Right here, we haven't always been America's favorite, but we will always be America's most wanted. You know, it's very funny because you guys come out here and you talk about the First Amendment. Well, the First Amendment protects you from the government. It don't protect you from us. You get close enough to us, we're going to give you a good old American butt whooping, boys. And let me tell you something. When you get out there, you're going to hear three little letters. You can translate it in any language you want to, whether it be English, Spanish, Japanese, Chinese, water, water, bing, bang, hai, jong, hong, hai, jong, bang. It doesn't matter because you will hear them. U-S-A. And then you talk about, we're going to burn the American flag. Guys, the only thing you're good at is swimming and drywalling. So get out of the ring and get my garage done. Because it's going to be a fight tonight. <laughs> Honestly, Gail should have given this promo, by the way. I know she's Canadian, but she's a proud American, too. She, <laughs> In this world, she is, yes. <laughs> we have to clear our minds. Another person WWE let go to waste, Gail Kim. Oh, I agree. Very... Very talented. Hernandez hit the border toss to Gail Kim, which is a razor's edge with a throw, a Celtic cross, if you will. And she, man, he flung her across the ring. Holy shit. This was a uh, very scary looking move to take. She got launched. And Hernandez is a massive man. Tanay goes over the taglines for the match. Taglines, see? See, it's a tag match, so it's another keys to victory segment, but taglines. AMW is out first. Homicide and Hernandez are out for LAX. They have a cool, almost DX-style entrance video with the cut back and forth with all these, like, uh, you know, Mexican, like, cartel guys and, like, crime and just terrible things. Conan wants us to know tonight that he has the right to burn the flag, and he will. And Jim Cornette can suck it. AMW then jumps them while Conan bails. They brawl along the guardrails. Harris hits a double underhook slam and tags in Storm. They toss Homicide over the ropes into Hernandez. Hernandez gets a Thez press from the Wildcat. Vertical suplex countered by Hernandez. Homicide tags in, smashes Harris. Ref is distracted with Storm. Hernandez is a huge man, and he works a headlock on the Wildcat, Chris Harris. He needs the hot tag, but LAX just keep him cornered. Homicide and Harris brawl for a while. Spinebuster from the Wildcat finally puts Homicide down. Storm gets the hot tag and cleans house. He skins the cat, decks Hernandez with a head scissors, goes for a powerbomb on Homicide, and lands a dropkick instead. Hernandez looks for the border toss on Storm, but Wildcat stops it. Wildcat destroys Hernandez with a shoulder breaker and a vertical suplex. Storm and Harris try the death sentence, but Harris, but Hernandez belly-to-bellies him off the turnbuckle. Sit-out powerbomb from Hernandez, and Homicide hits a frog splash to Harris. 
Storm and Harris, they're not satisfied with this, so they hit the heart attack on Homicide, but only get a two. Insiguri to Hernandez, and Wildcat clotheslines him off the top. Gail Kim claps for AMW. Another death sentence try. They hit it, but Conan distracts the ref. A blowtorch shot to Storm, and LAX keep their belts. What basically happens is Conan distracts the ref, hands the blowtorch to somebody. They blowtorch hit Storm. They don't actually hit him. They don't spray fire in his face. They just hit him with the can. See, I'd like to see that, actually. (laughs) And LAX keep their belts, as they are the tag champs, not the Dudleys. I I misspoke earlier. James Storm become the next Kane. WWF tried it. Paul Bearer had his face burnt by The Undertaker one time. That's what led to Kane. That was one of the opening things to, to Kane. And, of course, we saw Hogan burn on Ultimate Warrior's face, right? That was pretty good. Yeah, from five feet away. Conan brings out the slapjack, hits Harris with it, and LAX is about to burn the flag. Why didn't they just get a Hulk-a-mania t-shirt? Everyone knows that's as good as the flag. That's right. Uh-oh, Gail Kim, Canadian, is all alone. P.D. Williams, where are you? Homicide teases a vertebraker on Kim, which would have been nasty. But P.D. Williams saves America again. Good to see Canada working for America. Jim Cornette is out. He looks pissed. He cuts a Jim Cornette face promo, so it's sort of shitty, actually, to see Jim Cornette as a good guy. He strips LAX to the belts, which he really doesn't have the power to do, but I guess he does, and he does, because they threaten to burn the flag, and you need to hand him over on Impact, of course. It's on Thursday. Tune in. See what happens. <laughs> so there you go. They, uh, they don't hand him over. They're fired. LAX! And Conan, I'm looking at you too, because this here gringo white boy has something to say to all of you. Now, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, you're all three guilty of the most egregious example of gross misconduct and out-and-out bad freaking taste that I've ever seen in professional wrestling. And I don't know. I don't know whether you're really that bitter and that angry about the racism you perceive that you experience or whether this whole thing is just a stinking twisted publicity stunt that's gone too far. But you have come out here more than once and said you were going to desecrate the American flag. And we will. Well, I got something to tell you. Management, they didn't like that. But you know what? You know what's more important than management? These fans, the TNA fans, they didn't like it. You know, you know who else didn't like it? The veterans who have put their lives on the line to defend that. You know who else? You know who else didn't like it? The families and friends who have had loved ones pay the ultimate price to defend your right to say what you want to say. So I'm here to tell you, LAX, that management has decided you're not fit to represent TNA as tag team champions.
You see those belts that symbolize the championship? You got until this Thursday night on Impact to hand me those belts. You got till this Thursday night to hand me those belts. If you don't, your contracts will be terminated on the spot. So it's your decision, gentlemen. You better make it. It's true. They're going to have to think about it. They yeah. have till Thursday. That's right. The, what if they just took off with them and came to the WWE, dropped them in the, in the garbage bin? That's true. That'd be the end of TNA. <laughs> that one thing just just as Medusa ended the WWF when she'd be horrible what'd you think of the match Patrick I didn't much care for the match man. didn't either uh, Homicide and uh, Hernandez were working well together but James Storm and Chris Harris which I, I love America's Most Wanted I just did not like this match I don't like Chris Harris really and I don't think the Wildcat's worth a fuck I really don't and uh so when Storm was paired up with Rude, that was the better. Beer money was the better. The heavyweight title belt is up for grabs next. The NWA world title. Not the big gold belt, but the actual NWA belt from the 80s. Is My favorite. Big Goldie's much better. Really? Yeah, it's much more pretty. Sorry, I just like it better. I love the old NWA title. James Mitchell gives the Abyss 90s promo as they're in a dark room and it's Abyss is... Well, I'm curious, Sting. Why are you so afraid of the dark? After all, by your own admission, when you were at your most successful, when you were a wrestling icon like none before, you were wrapped up in all of the worldly pleasures and sin, the vice, the corruption of the world. Now what changed, Sting? Do you think that just went away? Do you think you just said your prayers and it disappeared? Of course not. It's still in there. And that's what you can't stand. That's why you're afraid when you look at my monster abyss. That's why you know that you'll lose the World Heavyweight Championship to him. Because you know that looking into abyss, you see your own inner darkness reflected back at you. An abyss is going to open dark corridors in your mind. My monster abyss is going to teach you to dig into the reptilian part of your brain. You'll question everything you believe in. He'll take you down the highway to hell, and you will go willingly. But in your defeat will come knowledge, will come a sort of freedom. You see, you'll be thankful and you won't thank your creator. No, you'll thank the man that you consider to be the embodiment of evil. The very man who beat you into a state of enlightenment. My monster abyss, the next NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Discount Mankind here, as I would always refer to abyss. He's like off-brand Mankind. Discount Mankind. And James Mitchell is his... Paul Bear, discount Paul Bear and discount Mankind. Sam's choice, like uh, off-brand. Sam's Club. Sting gives a babyface champion promo, which is actually pretty good. He is an icon, a mighty warrior, the legend known as Sting. And he returned to the ring nearly one year ago for a singular reason. 
to rid TNA of the cancer known as Jeff Jarrett. Last month, at Bound for Glory, he did just that and became the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. In the past, this belt has represented lust and greed, power, lying, cheating, stealing. But now, this belt is going to represent honor, respect, dignity, and truth. The Monster Abyss, a tormented and tortured soul hidden behind a dark mask. His face unknown, but his despicable nature is renowned and feared by all that face him. While no one can say what traumatic life event transformed him into the maniacal killing machine he is today, one thing is clear. His personal pain becomes his opponent's living nightmare. The ring is his personal slaughterhouse. His capacity for punishment is immeasurable. His thirst for blood cannot be quenched. His penchant for violence and his insatiable appetite for destruction has left a myriad of broken bodies in his wake. Fight for the right. It began as a free-for-all between 18 combatants. Three weeks later, it was an epic battle between two. AJ Styles, the Monster Abyss. The Monster Abyss emerged victorious and earned a precious opportunity to fight for the prestigious NWA Championship. Now, the legend known as Sting has a new mission to decimate the darkness and become a warrior of light. For we wrestle, we wrestle, for we wrestle against not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in the highest realm. Abyss, Sting, the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Abyss has a passion for broken bodies. Even though Abyss is the heel in the match, Sting attacks Abyss before the introductions. He lariats him with his bat. Ding, 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 DQ match hasn't started yet okay well we'll see how that holds up later on because <laughs> i never heard a starting bell did you yeah i never well and i didn't i never heard clarification this was a no dq match either or a dq ma- i didn't know the rules i thought it was just a regular match it was a regular match well it turned into something much more and yeah i never heard the bell i never heard the bell so in my opinion the match never even started never happened so Sting's still the champ it's just a brawl no matter what happens yeah. Sting hits a Piscato to Abyss. Sting seems really motivated, which is a good thing, because you would think, ah, this guy's kind of burnt out, but this is the kind of match Sting would be good at in 2006. He racks Abyss's head against the railing in the crowd. Stinger misses the Stinger splash onto a guardrail, and he gets decked in the back with a chair. Abyss finds a table with barbed wire, of course. Why is that there, Patrick? Why, refs, why do you guys need those? Well, I mean, barbed wire is a very important part of putting the ring up together and and taking it apart in fact he finds another one so as soon as he sets this up i'm like i know who's going through these because abyss a big man he's wearing a t-shirt sting has no shirt on i know who's taking this think that but sting well i know yeah sting (laughs) proved me wrong on something else later on in the show they battle up the ramp abyss wants to powerbomb sting through the barbed wire tables so sting fires up and they walk back and brawl towards the ring Abyss works a rest hold on Sting when they get back to the ring. Stinger Splash hits twice. Then he gets a third one. 
the inning takes a big man off his feet with kicks to the knees, hits a big splash to a down to Biss for a two count. Another stinger splash is met with a boot to the face. Abyss now has the belt. The ref stops him for some reason, despite seeing all this carnage earlier. Now, oh, you've gone too far. You can't use that belt shot. Can't do it. Scorpion Deathlock. Abyss then gets a rope break in a match that's already had a bat shot and barbed wire tables, but this rope break is uh, valid. Sting grabs the belt, and he uses it, but runs into a boss man or a black hole slam, as it's now called, for a two count. Rudy gets a rough bump from Sting, so... I don't know why he needs that. He seems to allow and disallow random things. Why do you need to hurt this man? I don't know. Abyss grabs thumbtacks, and Sting has his bat, so it's bat versus tacks here. Abyss drops the tack bag and gets the scorpion death drop for a two before James Mitchell pulls Rudy out of the ring. The rules of this match are bullshit, Patrick. There should have been multiple DQs on multiple occasions. I don't know what the fuck is going on. So Sting takes the bag of tacks. Opens him up, and he lays him out. Abyss, though, chokeslams Sting onto the tacks, and the place goes nuts, as they thought, as I did, that there is no way that Steve Borden will be taking a tack spot in a match to his bare-skinned back. And uh, he did, so kudos to Steve Borden. Absolutely. But for what he would do to Abyss later on, I'm not sure it's uh, quite even. This gets holy shit chance. One, two, of course, Sting no-sells the tax. <laughs> He's got tax all over his back, but he fires up. He drop toe holds Abyss into the tax. Scorpion Deathlock in the tax, sort of. It's not really, but Mitchell distracts the ref while Abyss taps, so it doesn't count. Mitchell gets the Scorpion Deathlock from Sting. He taps out for no reason. Why would... You bother tapping out, that doesn't do anything for a manager. Sting hits a chair shot to the back of Abyss. Sting then brings a rope from the ceiling. Patrick, why is that there? Well, so he can drop down. But he just walked through the thing like normal. He might want to drop down later on. He's going to string Abyss up by the legs. And he does. Poor Abyss is now just hanging upside down right in front of Tanay and Don West, and it's great to see their reaction. Sting attaches this contraption to his dick for some reason, which I thought was weird. Now he doesn't seem to know what to do, so he grabs a chair and just wears out Abyss's back while he's hanging upside down. Mercifully, he lets Abyss down after all the blood has drained into this man's skull. He drags Abyss up the ramp, clotheslines the ref, the bell is now called for, now he's gone too far. Now, now it's a DQ. I agree. So... He shoves Abyss then through the barbed wire tables, and Sting screams. TNA chants, and Sting is a badass. He's still the champ, and that's all that matters, right? So there you go. Sting retains in a match that had... Look, for a plunder match, it was excellent. If they had just told you up front, this is a no-DQ match. Well, I mean, it's not a no-DQ match. Does Abyss won the title? No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. How do you figure that? Cause, TNA rules. TNA rules if Abyss, if you get, if you lose by disqualification, you lose your title. It wasn't, I don't think that title change was recognized. I'll have to go back here. I think that was later on they did that shit. No, it happened, they announced it. Hold on. That's why Steam went batshit crazy and was pissed off. Hold on a second. Pull that shit up on YouTube. I'm going to look here. 
So your winner and new champion, new NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Abyss. Let's see if we can hear now what's going to happen. Rudy Charles talking. Let's hear officially. Ladies and gentlemen, referee Rudy Charles has no choice but to disqualify Sting. Therefore, the winner of the match and new NWA World Heavyweight Champion is the Monster Opus. No way. Come on, you can't do it. You can't do it. I mean, Don, think about it, though. Since the inception of TNA, the rule has been in place. You can lose the championship if you're disqualified. You can lose the title on a disqualification, and that's exactly what we've seen. By disqualification. That's so stupid. Dude, fuck that. I didn't even write that down. What the fuck? <laughs> You didn't realize that? No, I thought Sting was just going crazy because it was supposed to be a new edgier Sting. I didn't realize like he was pissed that he lost the title. Yeah. Well, dumbass, what did he when expect he closed, to fucking happen? The ref kept warning him, warning him, warning him when he clotheslined the ref. That's when the ref called for the bell, and he's like, hey, you lose your belt. And Sting was like, what the fuck? Well, yeah, I would have been like, what the fuck, too, because you let me do all this other sick shit. Yeah. And you let Abyss do all this other sick shit. Yeah. But that's a DQ? Yeah. Gee, we need... This is worse than Jack fucking Tunney here. <laughs> this is bullshit. You need to go back and rewatch that match. It was it was a great match, but it was a fuck finish. It was, no, it was a <laughs> fucked up... The circumstances were all fucked up. Like, But the match was fine. The match was an amazing plunder match. In TNA at this point in time, when, when Cornette took over, he said, if you get disqualified, you lose your belt. Oh. And that went for any. That went for any and all. That's what I was saying, man. In the uh, the X division title match. So the chair should have mattered then. Chair would have mattered. Mm. Didn't come into play. But it had he hit him. Well, but the, if Saban hit Daniels with it, though, Daniels retains though. Right. So AJ should have just let Saban deck him. Right. <laughs> Even though he's his friend, I understand why he didn't. But whatever. So you know what, bro? I will let somebody deck you with a chair so you can retain your title sometimes. Yes. You, titles, are, that's a very important thing. Yeah. There's one storyline in wrestling, and that is to be the champion. Yeah. It's more important than anything else. And Sting just lost. And if you're my best friend and you know that, that ta me taking a chair shot will allow me to continue being the champion, you need to let me have that. That's right. But Sting... And this match, and these rules, and this match, were just bullshit. It should have been more clearly explained than it was. I was just very confused throughout <laughs> it. Uh, it was supposed to be a singles match, and Ref kept warning both of them, and warning both of them. It wasn't until he was just... Well, Sting immediately should have lost the belt when he ran out and hit him with a bat. Right. <laughs> or, I mean, when they did get back in the ring, whoever did the first bad thing, we never heard a bell, so the match never even happened, technically. Correct. Correct. We don't have an official record of, you know, the timekeeper's official record doesn't even have an official time, you know, so. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it has a lot of problems in logic, but it was fun to watch. and It was fun to watch. I was I was shocked to see Sting take the, uh, the, tax. the tax. Yeah, I can't believe Sting took tax, but he did, so congrats. Now, even though this was the NWA title, this was the world title, was not more important than Joe and Kurt Angle. 
That's right. Because when Kurt Angle arrived in the impact zone, he wanted one man, Samoa Joe. And he wanted him right away. He wanted him so bad he headbutted him as soon as he saw him. And Samoa Joe bled. This undefeated beast bled. Sort of like in the movie 300 when the guy throws the, the spear and he makes the guy that said he was he couldn't bleed bleed. That was what was the imagery that was supposed to be. Never saw the movie. You never saw 300? Never. Dude, it's really good. You'll like it. Really? Yeah, it's really good. You need to check it out sometime. I think I've got it on DVD. I'll I'll trade I'll trade you this Genesis DVD for a uh, 300 DVD. <laughs> Kurt Angle was the special enforcer for the NWA title match at Bound for Glory, but Joe ran in and of course fucked with him because I mean you headbutted me, dude. What did what would you expect? What the hell? The undefeated Samoan Submission Machine will meet the Olympic gold medalist, a dream match, an indie darling versus the world's most legit badass wrestler. So. This is what everyone wanted. Unless he beats Kurt Angle, he says he'll never be at the top of the ranks. You can't train for violence, Kurt. Kurt, you will be broken. September 24th, the announcement that would forever change the face of professional wrestling. Kurt Angle signed with TNA. It's real. It's damn Unbelievable! I don't believe it! Very rarely is a man given a chance in life to redefine the sport that has defined him. Kurt Angle's in the impact zone! Listen to this crowd! Absolutely going nuts! His impact was immediately felt, and his headbutt was heard around the world. Oh my God, Kurt Angle just headbutted Samoa Joe! Samoa Joe, filled with rage, knew that retribution must be paid in full. October 22nd, Bound for Glory. Career versus title. The stakes could not have been higher for the legend known as Sting and the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Jeff Jarrett. Kurt Angle, special enforcer for this NWA World Heavyweight title matchup. But before the match got underway, Samoa Joe bull rushed a ring with revenge on his mind and hate in his heart. Oh my God, look at all the security trying to separate these two and they're like two mad dogs trying to get out other. What a chaotic situation here at Bound for Glory and TNA Security separating Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe. On October 26th, the dream match of the decade was announced. TNA has the announcement that we've all been waiting for. November 19th, it's finally going down. Kurt Angle, one-on-one against Samoa Joe. The undefeated Samoan submission machine Samoa Joe versus the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. You know, everybody wants to know what I think of Kurt Angle. Kurt, you're one of the best in the world. Why Samoa Joe? I handpick Samoa Joe. He is the top of the food chain here. He's undefeated in TNA. And I want to prove that I am the best in the world. Of course, you lay clients out of being the best in the world. We know that's not true yet. You know that's not true. Because you haven't beat the best in the world. You haven't beaten me yet, Kurt. Going into this match, I have a lot to gain. And I do have a lot to lose. I have a reputation. He thinks my blood's a trophy. I made Samoa Joe bleed. He knows deep down in his heart, he may be undefeated, but unless he beats Kurt Angle, he can never be in the top ranks of professional wrestling. Kurt, for everything that you've accomplished, for everything that you are, there is no doubt, unarguably, you are a fierce and competitive warrior. There's no doubt that you don't know the meaning of the word quit. 
I enjoy inflicting pain. Nobody can hurt you like I can hurt you. For everything you have, for everything you train for, you can't train for me. You can't train for violence. You can't train for pain. I want Samoa Joe to remember this match the rest of his career, not the rest of his life. I am Samoa Joe, Kurt. I am undefeated in TNA wrestling. Kurt, you will be broken. Samoa Joe is out first. He's gone 17 months undefeated. That means pinner submission. I'm sure he's lost multi-man matches <laughs> because this is TNA. But in my mind, I'd like to, I'm sure, I'll, I'll know, buy in. He lost the title by DQ. At some point. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Uh. <laughs> After yeah, getting blasted with a chair 15 times and then shoving a ref, he loses a belt sometime. I'm sure he did. Kurt Angle. Gets a hero's entrance, man, with the flag video playing. He's got his flag behind him. He is America. Don West says Angle. Angle credits TNA for saving his life. I'm not quite sure he would agree to that statement in 2018. In fact, I would say TNA uh, did more to damage his life uh, than save it, as he would lose his wife. He would become further addicted to painkillers. His body would be more further broken, and, uh, you know, he's gotten older, of course. You know, he's not going to be the same Kurt Angle he was here, but you can tell the difference between... I mean, when we saw him in Dalton for that house show that time, I could tell. Dude, he was high. Well, and just the, the muscle definition, whatever he was doing was not... He was deflated. He looked sweaty. He looked like he was minutes away from a heart attack. Yeah. Earl Hebner is the ref. JB, not a great ring announcer, but okay, as they do boxing-style ring announcements for this match. They couldn't do it for the Sting match, because Sting started the match on the ramp before they could. <laughs> this is awesome chance, as they lock up. Kurt gets a single-leg takedown, but Samoa Joe gets the ropes. Joe is going to kill you, Chance. Knee lifts and strikes to Kurt. Belly-to-belly to, belly to Joe. Clotheslines him over the ropes. Samoa Joe, then, powerbomb slings Kurt Angle, neck first, into the guardrail. Holy shit chance for that one is. Damn, that everyone is familiar with Kurt's freaking broken neck. That was brutal. Fuck him up, Joe Chance. European uppercuts, but Angle runs himself into the post. Samoa Joe hits a suicide dive with an elbow, and Angle bounces off the guardrail again. Poor guy. Then Joe slings him into the 3,000-pound steps. Joe and Earl argue while Kurt recovers. Angle takes forever to get up from this one. I thought he was legit, like, might have been concussed. Yeah. But instead, he was taking time to blade. So, we get in the ring. Angle is bleeding. So, Joe says, I'm going to give you a headbutt. And he does. And now Joe has Angle's blood on his head. This is almost like a uh, Brock Lesnar, I've got the blood of Hogan on me kind of thing here. Then... He digs his fingers into the cut in Angle's head. Oh my goodness, the brutality here from Samoa Joe. He's going for the WWE title in SummerSlam in 2018. It's crazy. This guy's still around. Angle fires up briefly, gets power slammed by Joe. The crowd loves Joe in control because this is their guy. This is TNA's guy. Big clubbing forearms to Angle's cut forehead. Dueling Angle, then Joe chants. Tilt-a-whirl backbreaker to Angle for a two-count. Angle hits a DDT from the second rope. Another strike exchange, but Joe gets caught in the triple Germans. Joe has a nasty landing on the third one, landing on his neck. 
An Olympic slam is countered, and he hits an enziguri. A muscle buster connects for a two counts. This is awesome chance. As the Kikina clutch is countered with a snapmare, an Olympic slam for another two count as Joe just will not go down. Make him tap. Make him tap. As Angle gets fired up and rips the straps down. Ankle lock to Joe, but Joe counters it into a Kikina clutch. Angle grabs the ankle again, though. Drags Joe into the middle of the ring. Joe rolls out of it, but runs himself into the post. And gets another Olympic slam. And this time, Angle puts on the ankle lock with a leg lock. Joe is inches away from the ropes, but just can't quite make it. And Joe taps out to Kurt Angle in his debut match here on pay-per-view. What a finish to the match. What a match in general. Samoa Joe did a ton of work. Uh, Looked awesome. Still lost. I hate that he lost so clean, especially because of the post-match, what happens, but uh, I wish that it would have been just a roll-up or a fluke, you know, to... I want something more than a... This was a very definitive win. This yeah. was This was a clean win. You can't argue that, hey, I want to come back and, and rematch, because I feel like Joe didn't have the claim later on at the end of the match when he's like, hey, right. you know, you were the better man tonight, but I want my reasons. Sorry, you fucking yeah, had your chance. I'm the Mick Foley. I'm saying you're just not in my league, you're Joe. You're just not in my league, Joe. Yeah. What'd you think of the match? That was a great match. Awesome. Deserved to be the main event. Yeah. Uh, Especially over the title. I 100% agree with it. It just... Outstanding. Absolutely yeah. outstanding. Yeah. I love this match. This is, uh, by the way, I believe this is the best-selling TNA pay-per-view they ever produced. And you can see why. I mean... This is Survivor Series 97. <laughs> yeah. Or, or well, no, no, sorry. Uh, uh, Starcade. Starcade 97. This is their Starcade 97. Is Joe Angle 1 in 2006. That's crazy. And this company is still, you know, in business today is Impact, but never reach those heights again, you know, but this storyline was built up well. It was simple. I'm the best. You're the best in this company. Let's do it. And there wasn't, there wasn't, you know, convoluted, uh, Karen angle being abducted by Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe didn't have the dick drawn on his face yet. Uh, we didn't have all the Vince Russo reverse battle Royals. We didn't have crazy stipulations. This was just two good wrestlers putting on a really good wrestling match. And when you do that, that's more awesome than any cane electrocuting testicles <laughs> that you can do. So now Angle is fired up because man, he just beat the best. So there's he's already in his mind he is the champion. He's the guy. Joe wants a microphone. Says Angle, come back down. Says Today, you were the better fucking man. <laughs> Which gets edited on a DVD for some reason. I don't know. He says he wants a rematch immediately. And then he wants the code of honor. <laughs> Another handshake. Handshakes were very important tonight. The crowd yells, one more time. One more time. Sorry, bud. You're just not in my league. But Angle, he extends the hand, but then does the ooh and just, you know, wipes his head with it. Wipes the sweat off. Wipes the blood and flicks it on. Oh, that's right. Walks out. Joe. 
Joe, though, gets the hero's exit, a standing ovation. Thank you, Joe Chance. He says, Angle, I guess we got to do this the hard way. You tapped out. They're chanting in unison at Samoa Joe, whose winning streak has come to an end, but he's called. God, I tapped out because I know what I can recognize when somebody on one day is a better man. He's admitting that Angle was the better man tonight. We apologize for the language of Samoa Joe, but obviously it's, it's an intense situation. But damn it, Angle, if you're half the man I think you are, you'll give me a rematch. Oh, listen, he's asking for it. You can hear the crowd. The ball's in your court, Kurt Angle. He's got the hand up. Will Kurt Angle do it? The crowd yelling one more time. What's it going to be, Kurt? Does Kurt Angle need to do this? He's still, what does he have to prove? He's already beaten him here. And Kurt Angle, no. Oh, he won't do it. He won't do it. He did not shake the hand of Samoa Joe. Angle walks away. But we finally see the year and a half undefeated streak of Samoa Joe ended by Kurt Angle. He refused to shake the hand, and you can see the look on Samoa Joe's face. You can see the look on Kurt Angle's face. It's like I've already done it. I beat you. I don't need to give you a rematch. What an incredible battle it was. Kurt Angle fighting through the problems with his vision, the blood flowing into his eyes, reapplying the ankle lock repeatedly, time after time, to the point where Samoa Joe, and you can see how much he's favoring Don, you can see how much he's favoring his leg and his ankle, he finally couldn't do it. The crowd applauding Samoa Joe as well. It was an unbelievable matchup, and you can hear the crowd letting Joe know, but it's Mike the... Then Angle, Wait I guess we gotta do this the hard way. What? Then we get a recap of the match. West and Tanae wrap things up and we're out. It's Genesis 2000. Six goes off the air. And TNA would uh, never reach these heights again. But that's okay. Because this is really awesome. And that's... It's in, this, in this one pay-per-view it's really fantastic so overall what'd you think of this card i think it's a outstanding great pay-per-view i mean I, there's not much i wouldn't i wouldn't do uh to knock it really yeah uh, well i'm not giving our truth a match and if they had kept things a little shorter the lax thing i think would have been fine because it was just an angle you know it wasn't it wasn't some uh classic tag match it was just Sting and Abyss was a big fuck you Sting and Abyss was a big fuck you to the rules <laughs> and, and to logic but remember Vince Russo was working with this company so some blame can can lie with him This was this, was this before? I think Cornette and him were in the company at the same time I think yeah, was it, well, I don't know was see. this before Dixie uh, was this right when Dixie was taking over I mean, there was a reason. Yeah, Jeff so left. Russo was Russo was rehired on September twenty first, two thousand six. So there you go. And by two thousand seven, they were chanting "Fire Russo" in the crowd. So, and yeah, Dixie Dixie keeping him hired is one reason they got kicked off of Spike TV. 
because Spike TV hated Vince Russo. Uh, yeah, this this pay per view overall. So we can we can count Russo for pretty much ending, putting two companies out of business. Put it, yeah, ending a good thing. What well, apparently at at the time was looking to to be a pretty big deal. Yeah, well, in TNA he had a lot of help with uh, when Hogan and all those guys showed up too. So. Often and Dixie. By then. I think. I think oh yeah, he think might have bashed the beach. Hogan and him don't have any love lost for each other. No, he worked with Hogan. Really? Yeah, he said it was a very positive experience. Russo said it was a very positive experience. Didn't step down until 2011, and that's when Bruce Pritchard took over. But then it was revealed that he was secretly working as a consultant, and that's when Spike got. On our rating scale, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, our first trip to the impact zone. Patrick, where would you rate this one? Uh, I'm going to give it an Andre. Andre, wow, top of... I mean, it is TNA's, I think, best show. I don't think many arguments can be said for one topping it. But I can't give it the best show overall, because, I mean, X7 is better than, than this, but that's a wrestling. I'm going to give this one a... I'm going to give this one a great Kali. So, there you go. Another Going all the way, practically. About the same size as me. Yeah, not near the talent of Andre the Giant, but... Uh, that's sort of TNA. Not nearly... Well, it actually had a lot more talent than WWE, but had no way of making it happen. So next week, Patrick, my pick. I'm going to keep my love affair with Rick Rude going. And uh, SummerSlam is coming up soon, so why not go to WCW's version of the summer pay-per-view and go to Beach Blast. Not bash the beach, but when we had a blast at the beach in 1992, featuring Missy Hyatt taking on Medusa So in a bikini contest. So, uh, oh boy. Strap in. An Iron Man match. And an Iron Man, oh, an Iron Man match, yes, between Ricky Steamboat and Rick Rude. The Battle of the Ricks. 30 minutes. Yes. Richard Rude, or Dick Blood, as Ricky Steamboat's real name is. Alright, that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo, bingo. The WWE family is saddened by the passing of Jim Neidhart, affectionately known to the WWE Universe as The Anvil. A world-class athlete, Jim set high school records in the shot put that stood for over a decade and earned a full scholarship to UCLA. Neidhart's physical acumen caught the eye of legendary promoter Stu Hart, and while training at the famed Hart Dungeon, Jim found love both in wrestling and in life, as he would marry Stu's daughter, Ellie. Jim would gain global popularity by joining WWE in 1985. That's where he teamed up with his brother-in-law, WWE Hall of Famer, Bret Hitman Hart, to form the iconic Hart Foundation. The greatest team in wrestling, the Hitman, the Anvil. <laughs> The combination of the Hitman's technical prowess and the Anvil's brute strength dominated the tag team division. The Hurt Foundation, the Pink and Black, is back, yeah! And their extraordinary connection with the audience 
has made them one of the most memorable tandems in WWE history. They don't pay me to fish. They pay me to be tough like an anvil. Settle down, anvil. Settle down. So many funny memories of Jim and being that crazy loud guy that he was on TV because that's, that's Jim Neidhart. Neidhart's success added to the prestige of the Hart family legacy, but he took the most pride in the accomplishments of his daughter, Natty, who has been a driving force in WWE's women's evolution. <laughs> Do you know how much I love you? How much? A ton. <laughs> to fans, Jim will always be remembered for his trademark goatee and signature laugh. <laughs> but to those who knew him, he was a loving father, husband, and family man who lived his life to entertain.